It is Saturday afternoon while I'm preaching Sunday morning's message to a empty, except for one guy, and and the people running the cameras and the board back there. So I'm in an, in an empty auditorium, basically, and this is so we can keep the message going out all over America to the TV stations and to the Internet. We're on the Internet teaching, and we got 3,973 messages on the Internet as of today. Now, I wrote something on the board. I'm in this subject. I'm talking about the coronavirus. The preacher's false doctrine is the reason for the coronavirus. They twist and pervert the Word of God. COVID-19 is a pestilence. Now, the Bible says that God will send four judgments, and they're right, we're right in the middle of them. We've got a coronavirus, and that is pestilence. Pestilence is a very interesting word. It's the same word all the way through the Old Testament. Same word. I'm going to give that to you. It's a very interesting word. These guys are preaching. I, I just sat down last night. I wrote down the false doctrines that the preachers are preaching. They're preaching, get saved. Did you get saved? I got saved. Get saved. Saved is not something you get. That's an old John Wayne term. He says the bad guy, now get. That's the only thing it's good for. Get is not saved. Saved, I'm going to erase this. Write that down for me, somebody. I, that'll be my title to this message. The preacher's false doctrine is the reason for coronavirus. They twist and pervert the word of God. COVID-19 is a pestilence that is a disease. The reason for that is things like this get saved and many other subjects. Saved is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, S-O-Z-O, and it's not something you get one night. Saved is something that God does to his predestinated elect family. It's not something that happens to you that you do walking down an aisle one night. That's not it. Saved is the word sozo. It means to be taken from one point all the way to another point and to be preserved through fire and trial and tribulation. It's the entire process preserved. I've said this uh, at least a hundred times, maybe 500, that the definition for saved can best be best be expressed by Philippians 1 and 6. The Bible says, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is saved. 
It's not something you get. It's something God does to his elect family. That's what it is. And he saves us from ourselves. Ourselves. The Bible says he saves us there in Romans. Ourselves. He saves us from wrath. And that word wrath is the word orge, O-R-G-A-D-A, O-R-G-E. That Ada is feminine gender. This is not the wrath of God. This is our own wrath. That word orge means, it means the, the rage of covetousness. That comes from us. Covetous means to want more any way you can get it and that's our problem is us is self and these guys these false teachers don't preach that the orge is when you get angry and you're jealous of somebody and you think somebody has beat you what are you supposed to do nothing god takes revenge not us he says, vengeance is mine. So he, cha- he has to save us from this, this orge. And God puts that on everyone, every person. Every human being has the orge, has the covetousness or the revenge of wrath upon people. Everybody has that. And the fact that it's feminine gender means Babylon started it and Babylon was the mother of all harlots are all idolatry. Harlotry, pornea, Revelation 17 and 5, means idolatry. Idolatry is the word ido, lolatria, lolatria. Ido, lolatria comes from ido, meaning to see, and latruo, meaning to serve. It means to serve what you put into your eyes and your ears. You don't have to have a, a, a statue of some god or goddess. All you have to do is fill your eyes full of a car, full of a house, full of furniture, full of a diamond ring. Just fill your eyes full of a woman or a man. That's idolatry when you... Your body will labor, Ecclesiastes 1.8, to fulfill what you put into your eyes and your ears. That's idol worship. So that's what we have to overcome. We think people are stealing from us. Now, I'm going to give you some of these other words that, that are false teachers. These false teachers are preaching. They're preaching water baptism, and they don't even know water baptism. They don't even know that there was a water baptism. It was a proselyte baptism. Proselyte baptism was the baptism that the Pharisees implemented into into the into their society. They said if a man would be circumcised, washed in water, that they called a new birth, and that he would uh, be offered two turtle doves at the temple, 
that was law. The circumcision was law. And the washing in water was why they implemented that into their verbal law. That was the washing of the priesthood. Oops, excuse me. Washing of the priesthood at the Brazen Sea. And that was just on the south east corner of the temple. Here's the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the candlesticks, the table of showbread, the altar of incense. And they had this brazen altar out here, not the altar, the sea. I don't know why I keep mixing the two up. The sea was down here. The altar was up here. These were made of brass. This, these inside the temple were made of beaten gold. And they implemented this washing of the priesthood into their proselyte process. The reason Jesus was washed in waters, the Pharisees said, if a man would go through this process of circumcision, washing in the water, and two turtle doves, that they would have to listen to him. Otherwise, they thought Jesus was from God. They thought he was from thought he had been born and raised in northern Israel up there in the land of Zebulun. That's where Nazareth is. In Zebulon, you can see that over here on this map. This is where the tribes were divided up. There's Zebulun and Nazareth, Nazareth is right there. The Pharisees hated northern Israel. Won't go into the reason other than to say that when the Assyrians carried northern Israel away, they moved into Israel, intermarried the women, and mixed their sun and tree worship with northern Israel's Jehovah worship. That's why Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, you worship, you know not what. Then the Pharisees down here in southern Israel, they wouldn't step foot into northern Israel. That's why they said Jesus was a Samaritan. Samaria was another name for northern Israel. So they implemented this and said, if you'll go through this. So Jesus goes to John the Baptist and says, let's fulfill all righteousness. Let's fulfill the righteousness of the Pharisees. Actually, what they said, washing in water was illegal. It was the washing of the priesthood. And circumcision was in the law, and so was the turtle doves. And the law had not been, the rituals of the law hadn't been blotted out yet, not until Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. There were two parts to the law, the rituals and the spirit. Well, baptism is not water. I've said this so many times. I have studied baptism. I was dipped in water by my father and by about three other preachers a dozen, half a dozen or seven or eight times. Can't even remember how many times. And I began to study baptism and think on that when I was very young. And I'm studying it. You can go into Girdlestone's uh, book, one of his books. And he'll tell you that baptism comes from babto, or baptizo, which means to cover. And babto means to stain with a dye. You find that in your Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, it says that. I couldn't even understand stain or to dye when I first saw that years ago. 
And baptizo was an infinitive. It was a verbal noun. Unless you understand what an infinitive is, you will never understand baptism. It was a noun with verbal character. Verbal character. It means there was a movement upon the subject from an outer source or from God that stained and died a person. And the Bible says he's washed us from our sins in his own blood. That there's one baptism and that is the washing. So the state in a blood baptism was a death. So Jesus asked James and John, can you be baptized with a baptism I'm baptized with? And they said, we can. He said, both of you will die the death. So water baptism is a ploy. It is a ritual that is not necessary. It bothered me a long time. There's no crackers and grape juice crackers and grape juice that they call communion what really gets me when you are when they're having this last Passover not not communion they're having the last Passover the last literal Passover Exodus the 12th chapter tells you the Passover will be forever what is the Passover now? It is spiritual. It's spiritual. There were three items at the Passover. There was a lamb. Now that's what gets me. This is what really gets me. You can look at the chapters where they are. I believe communion keeps people from actually drinking the cup. To drink of a cup, you can look it up in the in McClinic and Strong Encyclopedia. Just look up cup, that's all. It'll tell you all these cups and they will tell you. Mr. Edersheim will tell you in his book, The Temple, Its Ministry and Services, that the third cup of the Passover they had four cups four cups and the third cup had an official title they called it cup of blessing and 1 Corinthians ten sixteen says the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ but you've got to keep everything fitted together to drink of a cup of blood, that was against God's law, but that was an old ancient idiom that meant to partake in a slaughter. Partake in slaughter. Let me tell you what I was going to say a while ago. Let me tell you. The thing that gets me is this lamb. They had a lamb without blemish. You can go to those chapters... Go to Matthew. Matthew 26 is where they get this communion. There's a verse there that I have never heard a preacher even deal with. Matthew 26. And then it will say here, 
and 26. Uh, it will say, they made ready the Passover in verse 19. And verse 20, they sat down. He sat down with the twelve. And then he goes on to say that it came time to kill the Passover. He says the same thing over in Luke. In Luke, the 22nd chapter. And he says in verse 7, Then came the day of the unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. I keep saying there were three titles for the Passover. There were three things called the Passover. The day was called the Passover. That was the, that was the first day. A 14th day of the first month, excuse me. 14th day of the first month. The first month in the Jewish calendar was March, April. March slash April. And they called that Nisan. Are they going to kill the 14th day of Nisan? Is that what they're going to kill? I don't think so. Then beginning the next day after the 14th, on the 15th started the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. Are they going to kill that week which called the Feast of the Passover? Are they going to kill that? No. And then they had the Passover lamb, and Christ is our Passover lamb over there in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. They're going to kill the lamb. I've never heard anyone in my life address the fact that they had to kill the Passover. That's crazy that they got a Passover they have to kill. But they called the lamb the Passover. I can't, it just frustrates me. Is all this false doctrine? I believe that the communion they have in these churches is Roman Catholicism and it's false doctrine because nobody wants to study this. And they had. They had three cups. To drink of a cup meant to undergo a death or a severe ordeal. So the cup of blessing is the one that blesses us. And Jesus said this third cup is the New Testament in my blood. New Testament. In the New Testament, Testament and Covenant are the same Greek word. Are the same Greek word. Both of them are the word dia thike. And that word means last will and testament. That's what it means, the last will and testament. When Jesus took the cup and blessed it, that was the cup of blessing. He was performing a contract. The Jews did everything under contract. And they 
would act it out just like just like Elijah laid on his left side then on his right side there were, he was acting out a contract I'm not going to go into that completely so then they had they had after the New Testament he said drinking of a cup of death to self is the New Testament I've never heard anybody tie that word testament with the same word over in Hebrews 9. Never heard any preacher tie it together. Here's what a testament is. Over in in second excuse me, Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, I'm just going to read it to you so I can get on some of these other things that these preachers are preaching. It's just false doctrine. Hebrews 9. And the scripture says, verse 16, For where a testament is, isn't that what Jesus said? This cup, this death to self, is the New Testament in my blood. This is the last will and testament. A last will and testament, it says right here, doesn't have any fourth force until the death of the testator. The testator is the one who writes the testament. The word is diatithame. D-I-T-I-T-H-E-M-I. That's the word testator. The one who sets down the testament. No, not D-I-T-K. I started to write down the wrong word. Uh, it's the word diatithame. D-I-A-T-I-T-H-E-M-I. It means, comes from dia, means the method or the channel of leveling. Tithame. That means to level or lay out. So the one that laid it out, and Jesus said, then he says, I don't know of anybody that understands that communion. It bothered me when I was a little kid, and people would pass that around, and they'd say, you drink that little cup, and you eat this little cracker, and they've left out the Passover lamb, and they've left out the last point of this, it says in verse 16, where a testament is, there must also be the necessity of the death of the testator. The testator was Christ. He is saying, drink this cup as soon as I'm dead, about 18 hours from now. But it wasn't the cup of grape juice he was telling them. He was acting out a contract saying, when I die, I want you to drink all of this cup and die daily. It was idiomatic language. Then he says in verse 17, For a testament is a force after men are dead. You can't get your last will and testament executed if you're trying to get your parents' uh, house or car or property. You can't do that until they're dead. Jesus is saying to the apostles, As soon as I'm dead, drink the cup, which is death to self. If you don't believe in a spiritual Passover, you're not going to even understand this. And then he says here, 
Attachment is a force. The word force is bebios, B-E-B-A-I-O-S. It's stabilized. It is firm. It's only stable after after the death of the one who drew it up, and that's Christ. So he wasn't say, drink this grape juice. They were drinking the grape juice of the Passover, but it had a greater spiritual meaning. I don't know why I'm the only guy that's ever connected these verses to what Jesus... Well, in fact, when he says that, let's look at it, just so it'll confirm in your mind, Matthew 26, Matthew 26. All right. Matthew 26, verse 27 he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, I want you to drink this cup every day. Drink ye all of it. That's why he said drink all. It meant daily. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For this is my blood of the New Testament that won't be have any force until I'm dead. I've said this so many times. I've never had anybody write to me and say anything about it. Which is shed for many. Death to self is shed for the remission of sin. That word remission is the same exact word as forgiveness. Aphesis means to pardon and release from prison or from darkness to light. All right. I could say so much more on this, but let me give you the last point of the you have a lamb without blemish. Christ is our Passover lamb. Let me just verify all of this. Over here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. I don't know how I got on this subject, but I did. I love this. I love to teach on the spiritual Passover. And he says in verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven. The leaven had to be taken out of the household and burnt the morning of the Passover. It was a type of sin. It was the, it was what gave taste to the bread. That ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover let me put the word in there that belongs there. Lamb is sacrificed for us. Well, if Christ is the spiritual lamb, everything else in the Passover, the cup has to be spiritual. It's death to self. The That's drinking the cup and the bread in the next verse in Hebrew, and I'll get it right in a minute. And the next verse in Second Corinthians ten or First Corinthians ten, the next verse says, First Corinthians tenth chapter. I just believe this passing around crackers and grape juice is a corruption of the Word of God. And they stuck that in there.
back many, 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 many hundreds of years ago. Look here in 1 Corinthians 10. That's Romans. I won't ever find it in there. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 and 17. The cup of buzzing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? To drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. Look, look that up in McClinic and Strong. Look up cup. The bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And how many bodies are there? Ephesians, the fourth chapter. There's one body. What is the body? Colossians 1, 18 and 24. The body's the church. So he's saying partake of the church, the body. For we being many are one bread and one body. We're the bread of the spiritual Passover. We're supposed to be unleavened without sin. It takes God a long time to get sin out of the outer man. You've got an inner man and an outer man. The outer man serves the law of the flesh. The inner man serves the law of God in Romans 7 and several other chapters. So, and we are all partakers of the one bread, the body, the church. It's talking about partaking of the church. I need to move on here. Then there's no such thing as faith healing. Boy, the charismatics have messed up everything. The Pentecostals that talk about faith healing. This is a perversion of the Word of God. God says, if you, if you don't keep my statutes and my commandments... I'll send four judgments on you. I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. Oh, the fourth item of the Passover was bitter herbs. That was what they dipped. Bitter herbs. I left this out. That was the sop. That was in the middle of the table, and they dipped it into the sop or the bitter herbs, and God tells Israel, I'll make you drink wormwood if you go after any other gods. Wormwood was a bitter herb. And that's the fourth item of the Passover, getting rid of the leaven out of our lives. Faith healing. Boy, the Pentecostals and Charismatics have messed up everything. Faith healing. There is no such thing as faith healing. What's so insane about it? Pentecostals, when they're young, they can walk down an aisle and be 30 or 40 years old, 30 or 40, and they think some faith healer is healing them. But the same people can get to be 85 or 90, and when you get to be 85 or 90, your faith should be stronger. The Bible says, give all diligence, add to your faith, and name seven things. Well, if you add to your faith, your faith should be stronger at 85 or 90. But it's amazing. Pentecostals, I believe Pentecostalism is a corruption of truth. It's a perversion and twisting the Word of God. This is what they're doing today. Israel was going after Baal in the grove in the Old Testament, and they were false gods. God says you have to keep be obedient to my word. You can't go after Baal in the grove or faith healing or tongues. The reason for coronavirus 
is tongues and faith healing and bell in the grove and all the Baptists to preach, preaching get saved one night and they're preaching accept Christ and accept Christ is not true. When you're dead in sin, you cannot accept anything spiritual. Let me get back to the faith healing. When Jesus says, Thy faith has made thee whole. Made whole. He tells the woman with the plague, He says, Your faith has made you whole. Go and be whole of thy plague. Go be whole of thy plague. These two words, whole, are the same word in the English. They're two different words in the Greek. The first word that faith does to her is sozo. Remember the word sozo, saved? Her faith saved her. And the second word, now since I'm a living God and you can't come in contact with me, she's evidently believing Jesus. So he said, you're going to be hugius. And hugius, we get our word hygiene from that. It means to be physically cleansed. But she was not saved because she wasn't healed because of her faith. She was saved because of her faith. And he says, now you can go and be cleansed of your plague. But how are you going to know that if you don't look the words up? You're not. You got to look at the words. The Bible seems to confuse itself. There's no faith healing. You can't be healed at 85 or 90 when you're a Pentecostal. It's just not true. The most famous faith healers. Most famous faith healers from the Pentecostal movement was Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin started the positive confession movement in America back in the 40s. He got it from a fellow that brought it from the Far East. And he started preaching this positive confession. He said everything in the Far East, E.W. Kenyon brought it to America. E.W. Kenyon. He got it from the Far East when the the people from India those gurus said they said they could lay you on a mat full of stones and these precious stones had vibrations in them and they could heal you with these vibrating stones and that's just not true. That's a lie. So Kenyon brought it to America. Hagen got a hold of it, introduced it into the Pentecostal church, introduced it into there, and then everybody got a hold of it, and they call it positive confession. Said you have vibrations in your mouth, and if you say something positive, it'll come to pass. And if you say something negative, it will come to pass. The guy over in Arkansas, Charles Capps, he was another famous. It's amazing all these guys are dead. 
Charles Capps says, if you say if you say something like, if she keeps doing that, I could just die. He said, if you say that enough times, you'll die. That you have these positive vibrations that'll create your own world. It's stupid. Charles Capps said some dumb things. He's dead. Kenneth Hagin's dead. Kenneth Hagin died of heart disease. Why didn't he get Benny Hinn to come and pray for him and keep him from dying? Oral Roberts died of pneumonia. How do you know that? You go on the internet and just ask the internet, how did they die? And the other guy that propagated this more than anybody, Paul Crouch. He had a purple-haired wife. Her name was Jan Crouch. And they created TBN, and they preached all this faith healing and positive confession on there. And Jan Crouch died of a stroke due to heart failure, heart failure. And Paul Crouch died of congestive heart failure and had been wrestling with it for the last 10 years of his life. Congestive heart failure. They were lying through their teeth. I don't see how any of these people went to heaven. They didn't preach death to self, daily cross, self-denial, being hated by the world. I just... They couldn't be healed at 79. And that dumb... What's his name down in Houston? Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. What he said... Joel Osteen is an ignoramus. He said, Jan Crouch lost her faith. And that's why she died. She was 79. She was an ignorant woman. And Joel Osteen is an ignorant, he's an ignoramus. Don't listen to nothing he says. This is the apostasy of the world today. Let me give you some more of the apostasy. Tongues. Two words in the Greek. Glossa and dialectos. That's the only words translated from the Greek text into tongue. The only reason they translated into tongue was during King James' reign. Someone would say, he sounds, like a, he sounds like a stranger. What tongue does he speak? What tongue does thou speak? What language? Tongue, glossa, comes from our word. We got our word glossary. It means foreign language. A glossary of a book is a book that's it's got a section of a book that's got words that are in the book that are foreign to the average reader. They had a different dialect. Whether people like it or not, this is the truth. And this is what's caused the coronavirus. The preachers are lying as fast as they talk. And God says, I won't put up with it. I'll send pestilence. I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. Then I'll send the beast. The beast is the world ruling system. They had a different dialect of the common street language. They called the common language in the street Corne. Corne comes from K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Cornea means fellowship. 
or have communion or have things in common. This word corne meant the common street language that everybody spoke. They had a different dialect in every city-state. That's where a city would rule to the borders and then it would go into another dialect. That's why they said in Acts 2, how he were ever man in our own, not jibber-jabber, how do we hear every man in our own dialect wherein we were born? The key to that is wherein we were born. We were born. These were Jews from every nation under heaven coming from all over the civilized world. That's because they had been given a law in Exodus, the 23rd chapter, and several other chapters where all the males had to come back to Jerusalem, to the temple, for three feasts. Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, which was coupled with the Day of Atonement. And that was the, that was the gathering in the seventh month. And they all had to come back, but when they'd been scattered all over the world and they'd lost touch with their Hebrew language, they would come to Jerusalem. They couldn't even understand each other. What did they do before Acts 2 Pentecost? The compendia tells us that they built synagogues all over Jerusalem. They had synagogues from all over the world 200 years before Jesus, long before Acts 2. And they would, these were people that would came from all over the world. This tongues thing, it just ignores history and substitute some silly, superstitious jibber-jabber for the truth. People say, you're blaspheming. No, no, you're blaspheming God when you say you've got tongues. It's insane. I had a lady tell me the other day. I said, here's a tape on tongues. Watch this. She said, but I speak in tongues. I said, well, it's not true. I wasn't mean to her. I said, I was saying you don't. That's just your imagination. It's all of this is taking God's word and wrenching it, twisting it. That's what the scripture says. Look over here in Second Peter. Here's the problem with these preachers. They don't know nothing. Am I angry at them? I'm furious at them. The Bible says I'm supposed to be angry at the winds of doctrine that make the church apathetic in the Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're supposed to not like these guys that lead Christians astray and they wander off in an apostasy. Look over here. Here's why they do it. Second Peter. The third chapter, verse 16. Speaking of the Apostle Paul's writings, Peter says, and also all of his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. He says, Paul is writing some things, unless you know the culture, the customs, the idioms, the metaphors, it's going to be hard for you to understand. Which they that are unlearned, here's the problem, 
unlearned. A-M-A-T-H-E-S. Amethes. It is a construction of mathetes. Mathetes is the word disciple. Means a learner. And the Bible teaches that you have to have a daily cross to be a disciple. You have to crucify self and drink the cup in order to be a disciple. You place the alpha, the A, in front of a word, it negates the word and gives an opposite meaning. Amethase translates amethase. Amathetase is amethase. It means no learning. The people haven't studied the words. They hadn't studied the culture. I don't like the Baptist preachers, and I don't like the Pentecostal preachers and certainly don't like the Church of Christ preachers. They don't know that baptism has nothing to do with water. Neither do the Baptists know that. I saw these things. I knew something was wrong when I was a kid. I couldn't put my finger on it because I hadn't studied enough. I have studied enough now. I mean, I've been digging into word meanings in my library. I've got an overwhelming library in my home. I've got one of the best research libraries in the world. Got several thousand books in it, all kinds of encyclopedias, and I'm always researching into my library. All kinds of Greek books and Hebrew books. I'm going to all of that. And he says, they're unlearned. They don't know anything. They haven't studied and they, that they are unlearned and unstable. They're unstable. Unstable means ostereo. A-S-T-E-R-E-O. The alpha privative negates stereo. Stereo means to stand or be upright. And they're not upright and they rest the scriptures that were rest this is what these men do they twist it they twist everything twist tongues twist, twist faith because they don't know what the word whole means and they they rest the scriptures strablao s-t-r-e-b-l-o-o this is the word rest s-t-r-e-b L-O-O, it means to wrench, to wrench, or to torture. They torture the scriptures when they stick an opinion in and twist it. I don't like preachers that do that. I'm not even supposed to like them. The Bible says so over and over again. These are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Made, Ganea means born. They were born to go to hell. They're God's enemies. So, they've preached this slain in the spirit. Slain. Slain means to kill. Slain. I am. 
slain in spirit. That's so dumb. Where did that come from? It came from a woman named Catherine. Catherine, not E. Catherine Kuhlman. I think it's C-O-K-O-L. Catherine Kuhl, K-U-H-L. Catherine Kuhlman was a wacky Pentecostal charismatic in the 60s. This Benny Hinn says she was his mentor. He's not healing anyone. And he says he goes out to her grave and her spirit comes in and occupies his body. She started the whacking people and having people fall down. She didn't hone this to a skill like he did. Benny Hinn's got people falling all over the place and waving his coat at the audience and all going, whoo, why are they doing that? If you'll notice the people that are falling down, they are cooperating. They're cooperating with Benny Hinn. It's a cooperation with Benny Hinn and this this uh, it's a an emotional thing that they want to please the preacher and if you'll notice only the people way down front when he waves they are down front because when they come in they want to be a part of the show and they're the ones that fall down when he waves his coat at them the people back here in the balcony don't fall down just those down there they're the ones that want to be a part and they're the ones that go over here to the side of the platform and walk up there so he can whack them and they can fall down. But if a person doesn't know they're supposed to fall down, little kids, he had a about a 14-year-old up here at TBN in Hendersonville at Trinity Music City, they called it. And he had a, looked like he's about 14 years old and he kept whacking this boy kept whacking him and he wouldn't fall down he'd just go he was too young to know he was supposed to cooperate it's an adrenaline cooperation they go up there so they can cooperate with the with the healer but most of the people are not falling down when he waves his coat at them if the Holy Spirit is truth and it is what's he doing waving the truth at them Stupid, golly. You realize how impressionable the American public is? And there's a verse I've never heard anybody mention in John 6. When you're talking about slain in the Spirit, in John, the sixth chapter. John, sixth chapter. The apostles come to Jesus and he says, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Well, the Catholics took that and said, well, you got to raise the Eucharist up and turn it into the literal body and blood of Christ. And you got to say the words, hoc est corpus eum fully, and it becomes the literal body and blood. And you got to eat that to go to heaven. 
Eat flesh and drink blood was an old ancient Jewish idiom that meant to partake of slaughter. And Jesus said, my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. To know what eat flesh and drink blood is, all you need to do is define the word indeed, aletheis, A-L-E-T-H-E-S. It means of truth. You got to tell truth to eat flesh and drink blood and be a part of God's great slaughter of the believer. And they'll slaughter us. It comes from Lanthano. And it is a form of aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A, which is the word truth. Lanthano means to hide or conceal. Hide or conceal. The alpha privative in front of a word negates the word, gives an opposite meaning to the following word. The alpha privative means not to hide anything. That's what I'm doing with all these definitions. I'm not hiding nothing. Now, further in that chapter, he says, verse 63, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. What does the spirit do? Does it kill people? No, it quickens. Q-U-I-C-K-E-N Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O Zupoeo is the word quicken. It means to make poeo zoo alive. You go to a zoo to see living animals. It means make alive. The spirit doesn't kill and slay. It makes alive. What, what a dumb doctrine. And you can say, I'm blaspheming. You're blaspheming. Let me tell you what they're doing. They're blaspheming God. Because blaspheme, all I have to do is define the word to find out what it means. Blaspheme is the word blasphemos. All of these things that I've been teaching is the reason for the coronavirus. People have... I wondered when God was going to destroy this nation. I've been saying for years, Tracy, I was talking to her here a few days ago, and she said, I was listening to one of your old tapes, and you were saying the time's going to come when you're going to go to the grocery store and the shelves are going to be empty. And she said, I went to the store the other day, and it's here. It's amazing how God can bring about something that we can't fight, like the coronavirus, and empty the stores. Do I believe the coronavirus is the end of it? No. No more than AIDS was the end of it. We didn't think there was a cure for AIDS, and there's not. You can just put it in check. I don't know if they've even come up with a cure for Ebola. That kill a man overnight. Call the, go online, look up CDC, Center of Disease Control in Atlanta, and ask them about diseases that are in the world that there's no cure for. There are dozens of them. They just haven't taken over. Diseases don't die. The Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, they thought it made its run, but it makes its run and it goes in hiding. It becomes dormant. 
and the bubonic plague they had had it rise up out and believe it's New Mexico a few years ago. He, God can make all those plagues rise up. We are living in the most insane times. The thing the Baptists are preaching, they're not only preaching get saved one night, they're saying all you have to do is walk down an aisle and accept Christ. That's not true. When you're dead in sin, you can't accept anything spiritual. The Bible says so. Good grief, you preachers. The Bible says the natural man does not receive spiritual things, does not receive the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit is the truth. Natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, which is the truth, which is aletheia, taking the cover off, because their foolishness to him to the natural man. Foolish. They're foolish to this natural, to this P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. Sukikos. The word soul is the word P-S-U-C-H-E. It's the man that breathes. This word natural means the physical man. The physical or the sensual. We get our word senses from sensual. You got... See, taste, touch, hear, smell. That's the natural man is the physical man that can do these things. He does not receive, receiveth not, decomai. Decomai is the word receiveth. It comes from the word deck, which is the word ten in the Greek. A decade is ten years. Ten years. Decalogue. Decalogue is the word deck. Logos. Deck is the word ten Logos is the word word. It's the ten words of God or the ten commandments. Dekomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says dead men cannot accept anything spiritual. It cannot. You can't accept Christ when you're dead in sin. I keep saying this. It's like going to a funeral home for your grandfather and he's been dead for three days, and everybody's having visitation, and you think, well, I think Grandfather may be hungry, so I'm going to stop at the Burger King and get him a Whopper, and I'm going to take it in and ask him if he would accept this and eat this, because he hadn't eaten for three days. He's dead. 
He can't accept anything. He can't eat anything spiritual or living. Good grief, you preachers. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, 2.14, that the physical man cannot accept anything spiritual. You can't accept Christ when you're dead. You sound like you're angry. I am for all of this corruption. It's a twisting of the Word of God. And that's what the Baptists are... They're not founded on that. They were founded on the doctrines of predestination in the London Baptist Confession of 1689. And they don't believe that anymore. Even though the Bible says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he be the firstborn among many brethren. And the second thing the Baptists preach is a sinner's prayer for salvation. When you're dead in sin, and you have no desire to seek God, the, this natural man, there's none that seeketh after God, and they say a sinner can pray and ask God to save him. You cannot do that. Romans 10, 13. All of this stuff that's going on in the Baptist churches, the Pentecostal churches, and the Church of Christ, it's all twisting of the Word of God. The way you twist, what is the first what is the first sin in the Bible? It wasn't Eve eating of the tree. It was Satan twisting the word of God when he said hath God said all Satan did was put God's word in question when he said did God say you couldn't eat of all the trees of the garden he was lying through his teeth by the question he knew that God said you can eat of all the trees except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. You can't eat of that. Who planted that tree? God. Who made up the law saying thou shalt not? God. Who made Adam of corruption? God. Then when he did that, he didn't say, if you eat, you're going to die. He said, the day you eat, you will die because you're going to eat. You're made of corruption. That is what the charismatics say. Hath God said, did God say whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son? Well, it don't mean that. God didn't mean what he said. He knows if you eat, you'll be smart as his, you'll become as God's. That's what these guys are teaching. They're preaching Satan's doctrine in the garden. They're teaching a perversion of the word. The sinner's prayer is something else the Baptists are teaching. Did you know that they had a meeting among the Southern Baptist Convention and voted on these two things, whether you could accept Christ or not, or whether the sinner's prayer was true? Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that true? Yes. 
but you can't call until you believe. In verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? So when the Baptists say, if we can sing 15 verses of just as I am and scare you down the aisle and preach a death threat message to you and you walk down here and pray this prayer in front of everybody, that has nothing to do with nothing. You have to repent. You have to be born again. Born again is not what they say. When Billy Graham used born again, he wrote a book, How to Be Born Again. You can't birth yourself. Again is the word anothen. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Anothen means from above. You have to be born by the will of God that comes from heaven above. And we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God's will. John 1, 13. We're born of the thalama of God. The determination of God. That word thalama means determination. To determine, you're only born again when God determines it. How can a man be saved? He can't. He has to believe, but he can't do that because none seeks after God. God has to pick you out, arrange your life where you hear the truth, and then you have to believe God, but you can't. But you have to believe Him, but you can't. But you have to. He has to put faith in your heart as a gift. Faith is the gift of God. He has to pick his people out. None seeketh after God. You can't seek God when you're dead. You can't call on a God you don't believe in. Verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Acts 16, Paul said to the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Believe and faith are the same basic word. Believe is the word pistuo. That's the verb form of the noun pistis. Pistis is the word faith. They're the same word. One's the noun, one's the verb. And the verb is something you do. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. The noun is faith. They are the, I, you know, I wrestled with that when I was young. How do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. I thought it was faith, or I thought it was belief. They're the same thing. Preachers don't look that up and find it out. So Paul tells the Philippians, you to believe. This is the doctrine that was propagated one of the biggest false teachers that's ever lived, Billy Graham. Billy Graham was not, I don't believe he was a believer. If you ever get a chance, you can get a book called Billy Graham and His Friends. That book nails him. He was friends with everybody in the world. All the presidents, the womanizers like Bill Clinton. He told Bill Clinton, you ought to be an evangelist. You so communicate with people. Yeah, so he could molest all the good-looking women in his congregation. John Kennedy was a great communicator, one of the best I've ever seen. 
I was young when he was, I was 24 when he was assassinated. He was as good as there was. But do you want John Kennedy, who has, who has all these women, Marilyn Monroe and that woman out of Chicago that used to be the mobster's girlfriend? He was, he was connected to the mobsters in many ways. Just because he was nice looking and communicated doesn't mean anything. If you're popular in the world, everybody teaches you need to be popular and liked by everybody like these preachers are. Well, friendship with the world is enmity against God. Enmity, ekthra, means hostile. If you get along with everybody, ekthra means hostile. If you're a friend with the world, you're God's enemy. Friendship with the world is enmity against God. Whoso would be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. If you can get along with everybody enough to be a famous singer, to be a famous, to be a famous athlete, I don't think Tom Brady has got a chance of going to heaven. He looks like a movie star. He's six foot four. He's got the best record of any quarterback that's ever been in the NFL. He's won six Super Bowls. Joe Montana's only won four. Terry Bradshaw's only won four. He's won six. And he's got a wife that looks like a movie star. And he's got hundreds of millions of dollars. And he's got him a new team now. He's going to go with the Tampa Bay. And he wants to keep playing, and he wants the glory. I had a had a guy come here one night. He played for the Cleveland Browns. He was a cornerback, I believe. He said the reason those guys can't retire from the NFL, they love the back patting and all of the. He said that's the reason. Uh, the ex-quarterback for Green Bay, uh, what's his name? Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett Favre. He's the reason Brett wouldn't retire, and he wanted to go to the Giants or the Jets, wherever he went. He liked the glory of it. He said a lot of them, when the glory ceases, he said they become alcoholics or get on drugs. You cannot be popular in the world and be God's friend. There's no way. And yet you're told you got to have a big church. Mega churches means the preacher is popular with a lot of people. He's therefore God's enemy because he's twisting the word of God. If you tell the truth, there's no such thing as a mega church with a man that tells the truth. I couldn't ever have a mega church. People be running off. We don't like you taking our Christmas away from us. Christmas is Christ's mass. It's Roman Catholicism. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. Good grief, you guys. You don't even know your history, do you? So, you can't be a sinner and call on God. There's another verse on that. Jesus, over in John, the ninth chapter, Jesus healed a man, this man that was blind from birth, and he stooped down, 
spit on some spit on some dirt made a clay out of it and put it in the man's eyes and healed him and it was the sabbath day the pharisees said we don't like anybody doing that on the sabbath that's against our laws so they go to the man's parents and say to him who healed this who healed your son and his parents say well he's a grown man go ask him and the man they go to ask the man and he says he doesn't even have a name in the scripture and the man says he did he said pointed at Jesus and said he healed me and I can see now I was blind and now I see they said it's the Sabbath day and besides that he's a sinner if he heals on the Sabbath and here's what the man said John 9 verse 31 this was the man's answer to the Pharisees now we know that God heareth not sinners if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will him he heareth that man said you have to be worshiping God and doing the will of God before he can hear you you will call upon the name of the Lord after you're born again by the will of God and after you believe you will accept the things of Christ after he births you but while you're the natural man you can't because nobody seeks God how hard is this to define these words am I the only guy in America that knows how to define lots of words to find out what the truth is it's just disgusting I'm, I was going to get into you know who these guys are these guys these charismatics these Baptists with the Southern Baptist Convention the Southern Baptist Convention was originally founded on the sovereignty of God and the doctrines of predestination Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary was founded by the most famous Southern Baptist of the 1800s B.H. Carroll every Southern Baptist knows his name he believed in predestination and you can't find predestination anywhere near the Southern Baptist Seminaries. Southern Seminary in Louisville was founded on these doctrines. But they don't believe in it anymore. I don't believe in the Baptists. I was raised in a Baptist preacher's home. I know what they believe. Free will. There ain't no free will. Men were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy, whether man comes to him or not. Where was I going to go? John. No, I already went there. So, you can't call on a God that you... You will call upon Him, and He'll save you only as a believer. You can't call until you believe. Why would you... I'm not going to pray to Zeus any minute here, or Jupiter, or Venus. Why? I don't believe they exist, and I don't believe they're there. Why would you start praying to God you don't believe in? You wouldn't. Lordy me. There's no pre-trib rapture. These are things that these guys are twisting and perverting the word of God. There's no pre-trib rapture. 
that's something that was brought into the church by a preacher over in Europe or he was actually in England and some 14 year old girl got up said I have had a vision that God's going to take his church out before the tribulation the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52 behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, and this is the time at, time factor, at the last trump. I don't know why pe preachers miss that. I heard a guy, he's, in a, he's probably dead by now, his name is... I believe it was breed love and he was preaching free will and he was preaching a pre-trib rapture and he said behold I'll show you in mystery we shall not all sleep we shall all be changed in a moment in the twink of an eye and then he stopped he left out at the last trump if there's a last trump there has to be a first trump there's actually seven trumpets in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. These are seven angels. Angel is the word angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S. Angelos. And these seven angels have seven trumpets. And the first one sounds, and the, seventh, and the second one sounds up to the seventh trump. Seventh trump, or the last trump. And at this seventh trump, or last trump, Christ is one foot on the land, another on the sea, and says, Time is no more. At the last trump, time is no more. Well, these people that have a pre-trib rapture, they've got, they got Christ coming with a sound of a silent trumpet uh, at the beginning of the tribulation. Then they got Christ coming back at the end of the tribulation. But the Bible says at the signing of the last trump, there's no more time. Well, if that's a pre-trib rapture, then you've got seven years after the pre-trib rapture, which is not possible. And if you got time is no more at the last trump, which comes at the end of time, that's the, last, the seventh trump. And two things happen there. The seventh trump, time is no more. And the mystery of God of God is finished. You have to know the word mystery and what it means. There's two mysteries the Bible speaks of. There's the mystery of iniquity. Of iniquity and the mystery of Christ. 
of Christ, which is the church. But Paul said, I speak to you a mystery in Ephesians, the third chapter, and that's that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs and of the same one body. Gentiles will be fellow heirs. Don't have time to go into the word heir. Fellow heirs. It has a meaning. The Gentiles will be fellow heirs and of the same body. There's one body, the church. The called out, the ecclesia. So, the mystery of God is the church. Mystery Musturian. Musturian means the unrevealed facts. God doesn't reveal himself to everybody. He is coming back and he's to re he's going to reveal himself to whomsoever he will there in John John 5:21. He's going to reveal himself and in Luke 11 Luke 11 he said or 10 he says I'm going to reveal myself to whomsoever I will to. So that's the church. And the mystery of God is finished at the sign of the seventh trump. And time is no more. If time is no more, then there's not a thousand year reign. That was a... Augustine said that had a Jewish stamp on it. They wanted their own kingdom. They came up with that. The church didn't originally believe that. A thousand, two thousand years ago. The mystery of God is finished at the signing of the last trump or the seventh trump, and time is no more. Therefore, you can't have a pre-trib rapture where you got seven years of time after that, and you can't have a thousand year millennium. Thousand is not the word thousand, it's the word kilia, and it's plural. It means two thousand or more, and I could go into more of that. But this is something that they've twisted. This is a perversion of the Word of God. How much time do I have, Mike? Eleven. I was going to go into... There's a word in the Old Testament, froward. It means to twist... To twist... Or distort... The Word of God. It means to twist or distort. There's about ten different words, ten words for the word froward, and every one of them have basically the same meaning. And it'll tell you what kind of man you have to be to twist or distort the Word of God. Let me give you a couple of those. That's what these guys are. I don't like them. Look at Psalms 18 and 26. I'm just going to give you a few of them. This is what these guys are. They are distorting God's Word. They don't know what it means. And they'll say, Did God say predestinate? Well, He don't mean that. When you read, I've had people come to me before they come here. Before they come here, they say, I would read that God loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. And they said, I couldn't figure out what that meant because the preachers were telling me something different. It means what it says, and it says what it means. 
He loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born. Before either one had done any good or evil there in Romans 9. It means exactly that. Well, I don't see why he would do that. What you're doing, you're questioning God. Hath not the potter power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel and to honor Jacob and another to dishonor Esau if he wants to do that? Can he? Can God do that? Can God send a man to hell on purpose? Why didn't God just make all of us perfect? Because he's going to do that in eternity with all of his elect family. What well, couldn't he have done that in, in over there in Genesis, the second chapter, when he told Adam, thou shalt not? Couldn't he have made him out of some material that didn't have a sin nature in him? Why did he make him like that? Because he wanted to. He had a program. I keep saying, when you talk about the mercy of God, you can't have mercy unless you've got something that's not mercy. You can't call mercy mercy if you don't have any wrath of God. What do you call mercy? It has no definition if there's no wrath. You have to call it, uh. What is bitter what is sweet if there's no bitter and no sour in the world and God made everything sweet what do you call sweet you couldn't call it sweet it wouldn't have a definition God has to create his own wrath to have mercy you have to have a down to have it up you can't say well I was up on the top floor of that building and on the bottom floor at the same time no you weren't to have it down, you have to have an up. To have mercy, you've got to have wrath of God. And look here in Psalms 18 and 26. Psalms. I'm going to go through all these words, or most of them, on forward. It's always associated with slothful or lazy. Always. Psalms 18, verse 26. Let me read a couple of these to you. This is very interesting. 18, 26. 18, 26. Huh. With mercy, with the merciful, thou shalt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou shalt show thyself upright. That's verse twenty-five. With the pure, thou shalt that will show thyself pure. And if you're running with a froward man, you'll show yourself froward. You'll be affected by him. That word froward is the word ikish. I-Q-Q-I-S-H. It means to distort or be crooked. I-Q-Q-I-S-H. If you run with a with an Akish man and he is distorting the Word of God, if you go to a Pentecostal church, charismatic church, you'll start distorting like they do. You can't run with them. Look at Psalms 101. And four. Psalms 101 and 4. 
what I'm doing is going through and just showing you all of these words for forward. Psalms 101. And it'll show you what kind of man you're running with. 101. Verse 4. A froward heart, ikish, same word, ikish, meaning to distort or pervert, shall depart from me, and I will not know, yodah, or be acquainted with this wicked person. You are wicked when you distort the word of God. The charismatics are very evil. Kenneth Copeland is wicked and evil. So is T.D. Jakes. So is Joyce Myers. So is Fred Price. So is Creflo Dollar. So is Jesse Duplantis. They're all wicked and evil. They distort the word of God. And look here at one more of these. Proverbs. Proverbs 2. Do I have any time? Maybe I can read this one. 2, 10. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion, misema, planning your thoughts, you're very wise, shall preserve thee and understand Understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man and from the man that speaketh froward things. That word froward, tapuka, T-A-P-U-K-A-H, means to distort. It'll deliver you. T-A-P-U-K-A-H Tapuka It will deliver you from the from the man that speaketh twisted and perverted things The word tapuka means perverse or a fraud These guys that twist the word of God the charismatics, the Baptists they're frauds I didn't say frog, I said fraud. They're fake. Who hath, who leave the path of uprightness, they are not right, they're not righteous, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in frowardness. They delight to be froward or twisted in their ways, whose ways are crooked. The word froward means crooked or distorted. That's the word ikish, I-Q-Q-I-S-H. Whose ways are crooked, distorted. That word crooked is the same word as froward. And, and crooked, and they froward, and they froward in their paths. That word froward is the word lose, L-U-W-Z, L-U-W-Z. It means to turn aside or leave the narrow way. It actually means direct way to leave the way of God. 
They're not in a narrow way anymore. I'm going to read the next, the rest of these next week. Jim, can you read through verse 17, 18, 19? 18 and 19. Okay. 18 and 19. What? Yeah, all the way through 19. All right. To deliver thee from the strange woman. Strange woman is Babylon, self. The mother of harlots, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead, none that go in unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of righteousness." The woman here it's talking about is Babylon, the mother of harlots, that was built upon let us make us a name ourself. I've got a bunch of these I want to read. The Bible says the froward man in the third chapter of Proverbs is an abomination to God. The word abomination means to stink or be disgusted. God is disgusted with Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price T.D. Jakes, and all of those lying people, even with Charles Stanley who's telling people to accept Christ and let Jesus come into their heart. You can't let Jesus do anything when you're dead. I'm out of time. I'm going to come back next week and we're going, do you realize that everything that I'm teaching has to do with the coronavirus? It's the twisting of the Word of God. Everything. The Christmas, the Easter, it's paganism. When you start telling, let me tell you what you have to do when you tell the truth. You have to come real mature, grow up, get old, and then say, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to tell the truth. If the whole world takes me and burns me at a stake and crucifies me on a literal cross, I'll tell you the truth. And I mean that. I am sick of the preachers. I don't hear any preacher. Even John MacArthur hedges on Christmas. He's got Christmas. He's got water baptism. He's got crackers and grape juice. And he's got a lot of error in his preaching. Until you take a hardline stand against the lies, you're putting your approval on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, I'm just so weary. I want you to come and get me out of here. But I don't want to go as long as I've got this congregation to teach. I want to stay here. It's more necessity for the church that I remain, even though I have a desire to depart. I look forward to coming to be with Jesus. Help us, Lord, in all that we do. Guide us in all of our actions. Fight our battles for us. I can't fight these people. Thank you for your word. Lead us to your elect in Christ's name. Amen. I didn't just hardly get started on what I was going to do, but I hope that's enough. We need some more. Huh? We need some more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I just...
I'm tired of these lying preachers. Y'all realize how much they're lying? But they sure look respectable. And they're not. I have no respect for any of them. If a man, there's an old preacher that preaches on Saturday here. He don't know anything about the Greek. He's just a country guy. He comes on about 1.30 every afternoon. And he's with some church in Nashville. Can't be a big church. And he preaches real hard against sin, against lying people. I don't know his name, but I listen to him from time to time. You don't have to know the Greek to know these preachers are lying. They are. They're lying as fast as they can talk. And I'm commanded to be angry at them. So that's as much of a commandment as the Ten Commandments. That's right. Preach the word and they're not doing that. Every time Jesus says something or Paul or Peter says something and it's a direct command, those are commandments. Preach the word. He's not saying preach false doctrine. Nope. And if you preach the word, you'll do the word. You cannot be a believer and be a preacher and not preach the truth. But you've got to find out what it is.